Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist, which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. been trying to declutter your house and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode. I had Emma on as a guest to talk about Compulsive shopping, shopping addictions, and why we buy things or consume things thinking that they will make us happy, and then they never actually do. This is something that happens when, well, for a lot of us, it's the reason that we have clutter in the first place, but it is also something that happens when people declutter and then re-clutter. They declutter thinking it's going to make them feel better, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. They feel that relief, and then they almost immediately fill it back up to essentially fill a void in their life. And so Emma is a certified hypnotherapist. She specializes in reprogramming the subconscious. 
and really getting to the root of why we do these things. And it's a topic that comes up in the Motherhood Simplified group a lot. I'm really excited to dive in with her. We touch on a lot of very sensitive subjects and experiences that we have both had personally. And I hope that you find them helpful in some way in figuring out what maybe the root issues are of your compulsive shopping. I'm not diagnosing you, by the way. You know, behaviors that might appear to be compulsive shopping or shopping addictions to fill a void or just try to feel better about yourself and it never really works. So I hope you enjoy this episode. In the description, you will find where to find Emma if you are interested in learning more from her about reprogramming your subconscious and getting to the root of your spending and shopping habits. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. I am super excited to talk to you with. All right, we're here with Emma, and I'm super excited to talk to you because we are going to talk about something that happens a lot in the group and in the Motherhood Simplified community, and that is kind of the act of recluttering or just accumulating way too much stuff, why we do that, talking about shopping addictions and filling voids with consuming um, and how we can basically start to undo our thought processes around that, understand our feelings and find better ways to cope rather than just going out and buying stuff, which I definitely used to do. Um, I've talked about it before where, you know, it used to be like on the weekends, I would go take my kids to the thrift store and buy them things just because I felt like that was a way to show them love and giving gifts is a way of doing that. But the way that I was doing it was coming from a place of like wanting to fill a void, trying to force a connection with them because I didn't feel like it was there. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to Emma about this. And can you let us know a little bit about yourself and your experience and thoughts on this kind of conversation? Definitely. Well, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. I am a certified hypnotherapist and mindset coach. And my practice is based around mindfulness and really getting to the root cause of the why behind the things that we do. And so I think, you know, you said something interesting. You said, you know, having this conversation about why we do the things and then learning to cope. And I think that the solution is more than learning to cope. It's really doing the excavation work. I know you like that word when we chatted last week, but it's about going in, doing the work, finding out why we do the things we do. So the reasons that the behaviors and the patterns exist, and then what we can do to reframe our mind so that we don't have to cope. We can actually be free of those beliefs surrounding having to shop for whatever reason we do believe we shop, which is just surface level. We know that right? Whatever story we're telling ourselves, we have to investigate and excavate to find out why we're telling ourselves these stories so that we can rewrite a better one. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. I love that word excavate because it goes along with decluttering, right? Like I teach moms how to declutter their stuff, basically excavate their homes of all this pointless stuff. And you really help people excavate that internal stuff. And, and I work, you know, it started off working with women who have chronic weight issues because that was my story and that was relatable to me. So in parallel to shopping, right? Like, and I have all of my shopping stories because I had an addictive personality and I had such a big void in my life due to childhood trauma that 
the shopping thing relates, but for me, the, the physical manifestation of my unexcavated, unhealed wounds was chronic weight issues. So this ambition and dedication to start a new diet, to follow it for like two and a half seconds or a couple of weeks, and then not see results right away and give up. And so through that experience, you know, I was able to study hypnotherapy, the subconscious mind coaching. And so that was kind of my niche when I started off. But what I realized was that weight is just one of the issues. If you have chronic weight issues, you have similar patterns and behaviors in every aspect of your life. You're probably that way with your finances, where some months you're on top of your game, bills comes in, you're paying them. The next month, you're not opening the mail. You're probably the same way with shopping. And so it's really interesting, but that's why I say excavate is because we really have to get to the root cause. We have to do the work, find out why we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with that too. And that's one of the things that I think we, um, I don't know if we talked about it on your episode, because I know we talked about so many things. I'll link it for everybody who wants to go listen to the episode that I did on, on your show, but one of the reasons I love teaching moms how to declutter is because they do that. And then it trickles into all of the other areas of their life. They end up transforming their finances, their mental and emotional well-being, their physical health, like all of it. It, it just, it trickles out into every other area. And it has to, because if you declutter and 30 days later, I'm calling you back and I'm like, well, no, that did not work. The house is a mess again. And, you know, I've spent half my paycheck on knickknacks at Target or the Dollar Tree or whatever it is, then the issue is not healed. And part of that is accountability to myself and trusting myself. And those are some core issues. Why don't I trust myself to be able to keep my house clutter free? Mm-hmm. Why can't I sit with myself long enough to not have to go to the store and impulse buy? Oh, but it's just one thing. Oh, but I just need little wipes. And then you leave with a hundred dollars worth of stuff. Why is it that that is how you treat yourself? Right. And this is, so this is exactly what we talked about on your show where, um, I shared with you, like I decluttered my house and then I was the amount of work I had to do reduced so much that all I had to do after my kids went to bed was sit with my very uncomfortable thoughts and feelings and emotions. And I totally understand why people would declutter and then immediately fill it back up with something, right? Whether it's more stuff, which does happen, but then there's a lot of moms in the group too, who are like, I decluttered, but I still don't feel happy. And I find myself just like looking for pointless things to do to like distract myself, like, and they can tell that they're doing it. So I don't know, you have a lot of like the subconscious work, which is really interesting to me, but why is it that we do that? Why do we, we create this space for ourselves to heal and grow. And then we almost immediately do something to just fill that void in a different way. Does that make sense? Why do we do that? Well, it's the same way with, you know, and I work with thousands of women who tell me the same story. And, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, we all believe that we're unique and this just happens to us. So we don't talk about it, but they'll say, you know, I, I, I did it. I followed this diet and I lost a hundred pounds. And I mean, I felt really good, but then I gained it all back. It's the same idea that, you know, we think that the pre- the presenting issue is the house is cluttered. Therefore I'm stressed out, anxious, and unhappy. 
but that's not the real thing. That's not the real truth, right? Like I'm telling you, like I gained all this weight. I had kids. I've got a hundred pounds to lose. I'm miserable. I don't feel sexy. I don't want to be intimate anymore. I just need help like getting and sticking to this diet. And then when I lose a hundred pounds again, I'm going to feel amazing. But when we do deeper questioning and we say, okay, when's the last time you weighed, let's say they come to me and they weigh 300 pounds. They want to be 200 pounds. When's the last time you weighed 200 pounds? Well, oof, geez, I don't know, maybe high school, maybe college. Okay, great. So in college, when you had no kids, you weren't married, you didn't have a house, you didn't have a high stressful corporate job, you felt really good in your body. Well, it's the same thing in your home. Right, Like the presenting issue is I've got to declutter. I've got to get rid of some stuff. But the happiness that you're trying to get to, the the point you're trying to get to is reconnecting with yourself at a point in time in your life where you had freedom. The answer is freedom. That's what we're seeking. We feel suffocated and buried under our jobs, under our spouses, under our kids, under our stuff, under our weight. So when I say these are just the presenting issue, we avoid sitting with ourselves because when we start asking the right questions, we're going to realize that shit. I just want to get the hell out of Dodge. And I know you had a moment like that where you were like, okay, there's no more stuff around here and you're still irritating me. And I've gone through that many a times where I've lost the weight and I've looked in front of the mirror and looked at myself and gone, mm -mm, I'm still not happy with this. Yeah. Yeah. So relatable. And I've shared that story before with all of you guys where I did it the house was decluttered and it was easy. Like after dinner dishes were done, kids picked up their toys. It was super simple. We'd go to bed and I'm like, Oh my gosh, my husband is still irritating me. We still are not communicating well. Like <laughs> what is going on? Um, and then there was something else that you said. I can't remember what it was, but that's part of the process. And you'll hear people saying like, Oh, I'm taking my first getaway with my husband without the kids. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be amazing. And it's our first time going and my parents are watching the kids and I'm so excited. And on the first night, they'll pick a fight, mm -hmm. right? Like you'll start yeah. picking at something like, why are you wearing that shirt? I told you I hated that shirt. You brought that shirt. Like that's a disgusting shirt. It doesn't match with anything. And it's not about the shirt. But these are little signs because we're always looking externally. Yeah. And if you, we sit long enough, the conversation in our head, we're going to get to the fact that, oh crap, I feel unworthy. I feel unlovable of this beautiful vacation, this quiet. I feel guilty that the kids aren't there. I don't feel, I don't feel whole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're moving me around. I'm, yes. trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to focus. Yes. But For yeah. everybody listening on the podcast, my mic is broken and my kids are being loud. So I'm moving to a separate room, but <laughs> Or like the definition of multitasking today. I'm just sitting here with my cup of coffee and you're doing all the things. <laughs> this is, but this is how I love doing the show. And this actually is a really great um, segue into what I wanted to talk about. What you mentioned is you mentioned, you know, and this is how I've always done the podcast, but I, like, it's, but like when I started, I was breastfeeding Kaylee and I'd be like recording podcasts. I'm like, if you hear babies, you know, deal with it. This is. Yeah called motherhood simplified. Like, yeah, you know, there's kids around. Real simple. Breastfeeding, <laughs> recording a podcast. I mean, modern right. age, modern age motherhood. Yeah. But yeah, what it. you said was like, okay, so think back to the time when you 
the last time you were 200 pounds, right? Or, you know, think back to the last time your house was easy to maintain. It was probably when you didn't have kids, you weren't married, you weren't trying to juggle a million things without a community. And I watched this video the other day of this um, person that I follow online. She's got a great business. Um, her and her husband are like, I, I, there's a lot of things that, that I like about them. I like the way they were in their business. I like their authenticity. I like their views on like health and wellness. And she did this thing where she, she showed a day in her life. <laughs> and I was like, they don't have kids. And I was like, wow, I do not relate at all because she wakes up in the morning. She does her work in silence. She's like, I'm just responding to emails. And then I go to the grocery store and then I work out. And then she gets after that. She's like, and then I go have some alone time. And I'm like, literally your entire day was alone time. I don't understand. <laughs> it is, it's difficult to understand, but that's, you know, we're so hard on ourselves. But when we're doing any kind of decluttering, whether it's emotional decluttering or it's physical decluttering, um, you know, it's important to, to remind ourselves of that. And that's something I do right away in the conversation. When I ask like, what's your ideal weight? You probably ask, what would you like your home to look like? How would that make you feel? But the last time they probably felt that way, there was no one in their way. Maybe not even, you know, cohabitating with a spouse or partner. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is when there's some childhood trauma, mm -hmm. sometimes the only praise and validation we get from one or both parents is when we do something good aka clean your room mm -hmm. you clean your room you'll get a good job nice work maybe you'll get an allowance mm -hmm. or maybe not maybe your room is you know a little messy because you're running out the door especially in those high school years when we're trying on 50 outfits and you come home and one of your primary caregivers says your room is a pigsty that's disgusting no man's ever going to want to live with you because you're such a pig mm -hmm. yeah Brutal. These are all oh imprints, <laughs> right? These are all imprints. And I remember being 13 and having, I had a job. I was 14. Yes, I was 14 because I could work. So I was 14. I had a job and I was going to school. And I remember really early in the morning, like trying on a few shirts and there's some clothes on the floor and coming home to my dad standing there and saying, I took pictures of your room and I'm sending it to the whole family. Oh, that is so brutal. And I want to just like, yeah, hug your heart. <laughs> Thank you. But so in that moment, right? Like my inner rebel and teenager was like, rah, 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 you know, like, I, you don't understand my life. I have to take an hour bus to school and then I'm in school all day and then I'm working and I'll clean it up on the weekend. It's not a big deal. In hindsight, that, that imprint became a scar that has affected me and that I've carried for my whole life. Because there's always that voice. Well, until I did the excavation work, that voice in the back of my head saying, like, I can't keep my room clean. I'm a pig. Everyone's going to find out. And that was the biggest imprint was the shaming behind it. Mm -hmm. So for me, growing up and becoming an adult and then having kids, there was this subconscious limiting belief that people could not come over to my house mm -hmm. unless like the spring cleaning brigade stopped off. Because mm -hmm. people were going to see, people were going to see that my utensil drawer was messy mm -hmm. or that there's toy crates under the bed. So whether it's childhood trauma or whether it's just, you know, this art of people pleasing or whether you had a perfectly normal childhood and you're just in search of that freedom you had before your life was turned upside down with kids and a spouse and whatever, 
that's where all of this is coming from. That's what we have to get back to so we can do the decluttering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And this is really good too. I wanted to talk a little bit about the voids that we have. Cause we all, we all have voids. Like that's part of being human, but some of us do have bigger ones, I think. Um, and I, I'm, I just want to share stories too. Cause I've been following these certain people that, you know, are in the same like business circle that I, that I follow. And there is one who I feel, I feel for her and her and her husband, but they had this beautiful life where, you know, and a pretty decent upbringing with very supportive parents. Like he talks a lot about the ways that, that were so foreign to me that I never experienced as a kid, the ways that his parents validated his emotions and showed up for him and would tell him things like, you know, whatever you do, like we've got your back and, and just things that are so foreign to me. And they talk about that a lot. And, um, it, it's foreign to me and it, it made me realize like, oh my gosh, like I never had that. I had, a, you know, similar situations to you where it's like, man, if, if people knew they would be like, that is brutal, That's brutal. <laughs> brutal. Um, yeah. and so, I mean, we all have our own voids and then, and then that couple just had kids. Um, they just had their first baby, um, a few months ago. And it's so interesting to watch the way that it truly affects people, even people who, have these really solid foundations and seemingly smaller voids, um, just the way that, that kids do. And I'm not blaming kids at all, but I think we can all relate and, and be honest about it. The, the way that they do kind of create voids within us because of the way that we have to sacrifice and rearrange our entire lives. Like they are deeply struggling with the fact <laughs> that they cannot just record their podcasts anymore. And I'm like, man, I totally get it. I, I get it completely. And they've asked for like suggestions on things to do. And the only thing I can ever like offer them is like, give yourself so much grace. Like it's not going to look like it used to look before. And I think maybe it feels like a void, but it doesn't have to be, but it does. It's, it's a disruption. It's a big disruption. And no amount of, you know, prep work can prepare you for the realities of parenthood, unfortunately. Um, And I think that's, part of our culture is not talking about the crappy stuff that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I remember locking myself in my closet when um, my second son was born for like a good 20 minutes and just crying, like just putting him in his crib. And my eldest was good. Like he was just good. And he was just, he had his hands over his ears and I had to cry in the closet and never telling anyone that story until very recently and feeling liberated like I was carrying this weight with me but just like I could not freaking stand the sound of his crying anymore like one more minute of his crying and I was gonna lose my ever-loving mind like I couldn't his diaper was cleaned he was fed there was absolutely no reason he wasn't hurt I held him I you know coddled him I, I did all the things that I was supposed to do and I think in this moment you just feel like such a failure <laughs> You just feel like you're failing at life mm-hmm. and that it's so hard and you, you don't understand what's going on, but no one talked to me about that. Right. No one ever shared a story like that or that my nipples were going to get so chapped that they would bleed if I didn't have the baby latch on. Right. Mm-hmm. No one ever shared that with me. Yeah. And so how can I prepare for it? I was like, oh, the worst part is the baby's not going to sleep at night. That's fine. Like, you know, I'm, I've got this. Yeah. 
right? Like colic, something will go to the doctor and okay, well, it's fun because they're like puppies. They just sleep for the first year. What the heck, right? And the women I asked about labor told me, it's like, you know, imagine your worst period cramps. That's what I got. And I remember watching TLC. I don't know if you ever watched that show where they would give birth. Mom, yeah. mom what was it called? Um, I don't know, but I watched them the entire pregnancy, my first pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, right? Like early 2000s, like yeah. this show on TLC, you could watch them giving birth and all of that. And I was like, that does not sound like a period cramp. But no one in real life ever shared a story of, <laughs> you're going to feel like there's a freight train coming in through the top of your head and exiting through your vagina, but you'll survive. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Right. Right. One shares these stories. Yeah. They don't, they don't. And okay. So I have a question too, about like, cause you do hypnotherapy. I feel like, um, once I can find language for what I am experiencing, it brings it from subconscious to the conscious. Um, so I think, yeah, like communicating these things sometimes can excavate them. Or if we can, um, there's a thing called the feelings wheel that I've been using this year. (laughs) And it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many different things to feel. And um, it's been really helpful, I think, to find language for the experiences that we have, share those experiences with other people so that you can process it, but other people can hear it too and be like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm feeling. And um, there was a big shift the other day where... um, our first set of kids. So we have like our first three kids (laughs) and then we have the younger two. And there was a lot of resentment that I built up because I, you know, I felt undersupported. I felt overwhelmed. I didn't have similar to you. I didn't have people like talking about these things that are extremely overwhelming. And it made me build up like resentment. And it made me say things like, you know, I just want to, I just want to break. Like I just want to leave. And, um, the other day I was talking to my husband about it. Like the, feeling, you know, really overwhelmed with my kids again. And he was like, well, why don't we just like go get you somewhere to stay and you can leave. And I was like, but I don't really want that. Like, I feel like I understand that like, this is the season of life that I'm in and I don't need to run away from it. And like, I don't feel like I need to run away from it anymore. I feel like I have the language to like ask for, you know, some specific support. (laughs) Um, What do you feel like you need a break from? Um, I think just honestly, the, the 24 seven responsibility, you know, like you wake up in the morning and it's like, got to do the kid things, do the, do the work things up until the minute that you go to bed when you have, um, you know, especially when you have a combination of teens and tweens and then like young kids, like now my teens want to stay up late and talk. They're not staying up late because they need to be like rocked to sleep. So it's just like this ongoing, responsibility that I don't want to resent them for, because I understand that, you know, they didn't ask for this. So it's a matter of like being able to communicate what I need in those moments, honestly, you know, and like in a complete way, rather than just like trying to run away from it. Like I used to do. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But what do you need? What do you think you need? Space. I need space and like solitude. (laughs) because uh because I've always got people around me I really like I really like being alone like I love being alone I'm probably pretty introverted I'm probably weird mix because I love like talking to people and engaging with people but you know I we have five kids here so I really love to like just be fully alone 
where I don't have to be responsible for anything. I don't have to be like, I'm alone and meal planning, right? Like I just want to be alone. Yeah, alone and doing. Yeah. That's why a lot of us shop. Yes. Oh, that's, that's why a lot of us clutter our homes because it's like, I am doing well being. Yes. Yeah. And that was, that was the point. I was like, I know there was a point for me bringing this up. The point is like, we have all these huge things that we carry that, um, I almost feel like they feel like voids. They are voids in a way we're trying to get relief in some way, but we try to get relief by adding more to it. Right. The thing is, is that it's a bullshit narrative that we're telling ourselves is that we want space and we want to be alone. But the truth is right now, if you don't do all of the inner work and I don't know, maybe on your journey, you have done the work and you're really clear about what you want. But I know that a point in time in my life, that's all I wanted was to be alone and was to have space and was to feel like I could just be alone because I love being alone too. I'm the weirdo who will go eat lunch alone at a restaurant. Like, I love backstories of things. So I'm like, oh, there's a new restaurant and it's two brothers who came over from blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to go there and do this. And I want to go there alone. And I have like, I'm listening to my audiobook or I have my journal or I'm just people watching. And I love to do that. But before I did the work, once I was alone, fear set in. Mm-hmm. Right. It's uncomfortable because then you're feeling guilty because you're like, what did I have to do and what chaos did I create in order for me to be able to have this little bit of solitude? So now while I'm just being with me, the thoughts that are going on in my head are not conducive to self-care and recovery and my well-being because I'm here planning and plotting what needs to be done when I come out of my confinement. Right. Yes. And I yes, I relate to that. I have done this last like year, like 18 months, a ton of excavation. And I can, yeah, I can tell what you said. Like, I love going to little, like cute little places too, with like interesting stories. So my jam. Um, but like, I can even feel that shift within me, which I think is why I, I don't feel like when I say things like that, like, cause I, I shared in the motherhood simplified group a few weeks ago, I went and stayed at an Airbnb, like five minutes from our house the other day for two nights. And it was amazing and it felt really good. It felt restorative for me. And I did not have that guilt like I did before, even before doing all this stuff, it would be like, I felt guilty for even want to take like a bath alone, which was like so ridiculous where I'm like, I'm not doing the things I need to do. Like my kids, I'm not paying attention to my kids and to shift from that place of feeling guilty for taking a bath alone to being able to leave for two days and feel really good about it and like actually feel restored. And I got to go visit like the little Airbnbs and this like 200 year old building was so cute and it was so much fun. Um, but then we come back to the reality and that's why it's important to have these conversations with ourselves and our inner child and ask them, is this, do these feelings and emotions belong to me or am I trying to overcompensate for the not so great job my parents did at validating me growing up, Mm -hmm. right? Like if my parents were not attentive to my needs and weren't available for me 24 seven, like we think that we have to be for our kids now, Mm -hmm. then where is this need and desire for me to be available to everyone, like giving access Mm -hmm. to myself to everyone at all times? Is that a me need because I need to feel needed? Mm -hmm. if so why what do I get out of that 
right? Or is this really something that I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to outparent my parents? Mm-hmm. These are the questions we need to be asking, right? Because um, like my dad never came to a PTA. Yeah. Well, not only did I go to my kid's PTA, but guess what? I was the PTA. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to sign up for this. I owned a bakery. I had staff. I had two little kids. I barely slept, but I was on the PTA. Did I know at the time that I was on the PTA because my inner child was like, well, your parents never even met your teachers. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, did you go to school today? <laughs> right? So I was like, I'm going to be this omnipresence in my child's life at my expense. Yeah. But in hindsight, I can have these conversations and go, that was really stupid. (laughs) Like I should have been on the PTA because I wanted to be on the PTA because I had time to do it because I was passionate about it. Not because I wanted to stick it to the caregivers. Yes. Okay. I have some examples of this too. So I, um, I know that my, my, like my, obsessive, I don't know, like very dominant need to always be around my kids and, um, you know, bring them. I've always had situations where I've either worked for myself or I was a teacher and I would like creatively make it so that my kids were in my classroom and all of these things. And it's because as a kid, my home environment was insanely unsafe. And so I, I've worked through that through, I've never, I haven't done hypnotherapy deeply, but I've done EMDR, which is, I think in the same vein of like processing subconscious things. Um, but yeah, I, I was always like, I can't, I can't leave my kids because they might not be safe. Right. And even things like I can't ever get divorced because step parents are inherently unsafe. Um, And I'm not divorced anybody, by the way, and I'm not getting divorced, (laughs) but that was one of the, you know, one of the beliefs that I had to uncover was like, yeah, like I fear, I fear abandonment by my husband because if he does, then I might get married again. And that's inherently unsafe for, you know, I'm saying it's unsafe for my kids, but that doesn't have to be true. It was just unsafe for me. But that's why we have to do the work because if not, it turns into resentment. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that does not belong to your kids. No. And then these limiting beliefs are so easily transferred and our subconscious beliefs and our fears can cause imprints and damage on our children. If we're not, we're not careful mm-hmm. for me, I was told my whole life by my dad that I was fat. I was overweight, you know, all of these things. So my kids growing up, their dessert was a yogurt. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like for me, it was like, Hey, you would eat your meal. You can have a little yogurt or you can have some fruit. I wasn't raised that way. That wasn't my belief. Mm -hmm. You know, when the grandparents would come over or someone would come over and they'd say, Oh, like I brought a little pudding or a treat or whatever it was. And I feel like it was a hundred years ago, but, and I'd be like, no, not us. We're like, we're, this is a sugar-free home. Meanwhile, we're like binging on Halloween candy when the kids are going to bed, like total hypocrisy. Right. But that, that didn't belong to me. Mm-hmm. I could have created balance had I had the tools and the language mm-hmm. to be able to do so. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of language and then um, kind of like the shopping consuming experience on the episode we did with you, you shared this really interesting about being in Costco and having like an internal dialogue with you as you were like, do I really need these things? Like, why am I wanting to get these things and kind of like walking yourself through the store with these items and getting to the root of like why you actually 
got them in the first place, which I think is a really good conversation because um, when it comes to shopping and like shopping addictions or shopping to fill a void, like we can know that conceptually, but undoing it in practice takes some time and it takes some skill and it takes some language. And um, yeah, can you tell us like a little bit about that process? I mean, I'm a compulsive shopper in recovery. I think this is something that you know, it's going to be ongoing until the day that it's just second nature. But I think this is a process that works for me right now. And I think that's getting myself out of the spending every waking moment that I'm not doing something work related or kids related in a store, because that was my safe place, whether it was a thrift shop or a dollar store, or a Target or a Costco. And I, I think I shared with you shopping for the, the nine sevens, because that's the Costco liquidation. And literally scanning the store from, you know, every aisle looking for nine, seven and then knowing, oh, that's on liquidation. What can I get that for? What do I like even just grabbing it impulsively and putting it in the shopping cart? So through my recovery, it's been asking myself a series of questions. I don't judge the act of grabbing it and putting it in the cart. Like, I don't say you're so stupid. Why are you doing that? I'll say, oh, that's interesting. Let's like, let's explore it. And I will stand there in front of the shopping cart and I do not give a crap who's around. I'm doing this. I am having this conversation with me right now because I used to be the lady who, if you would have followed me, you would have seen me just like put all the crap back, like random aisles, like putting the underwear back in the baguette and, you know, like the, the, the olive oil now has candles because I would have this remorse as I went through the store. I don't know if you can relate to that. It's like, I don't really need this. Should I buy it? Or checking my checking account balance and being like, okay, I can't afford to get all of these. So I'll only get one. And then kind of like leaving a little trail of breadcrumbs like, oh, Emma was here. We can just follow, <laughs> follow the displaced items. So now the conversation is, that's interesting. Why is this in the cart? How am I feeling? Mm-hmm. And usually when I say, what's going on with you? And I, I always have this visual of speaking to my inner child, my inner teenager, whatever I'm feeling that day. You know, if I've had a really hard conversation with someone, or if it's like a friends related argument, then I may be speaking to my inner teenager because mm-hmm. she's the one who had trouble making friends. She was always different, right? She was the one who didn't have the new clothes and who's you know, dad didn't have a nice car at all. And she never had money for lunches to eat in the cafeteria. So I'm going to talk to her. And when I'm feeling some kind of a bratty way, like I didn't get what I wanted, or things are not going my way, then I'm maybe speaking to the younger version of me. And I'll check in with myself and ask, you know, like, what happened today? What am I trying to feel? Like, what am I feeling? What am I avoiding feeling? What don't I want to feel? I don't want to feel sadness. I don't want to feel sadness because I don't want to feel sadness because sadness is painful. And when I was little, when I felt sad, I had to process that alone. Mm -hmm. I had to sit in my room alone and cry it out and be a big girl. Mm -hmm. And now here I am an adult in the middle of Costco with this pot set that's on liquidation that I do not need, that I don't really have that many friends that I could just be gifting pots to. They have their own crap. And I'm feeling sad and no one's there for me in that moment. So I'm feeling sad and I'm feeling lonely and it's bringing up all of these wounds. And if it's an argument with someone that I care about, like a friend, then what's coming up is I'm feeling rejected. Rejection is a big one for me. That goes back to the wound of being told that I wasn't supposed to be born. Mm -hmm. And if I was, then I should have been a boy because Mm -hmm. that would have been easier to handle or manage. 
or being told things like, you know, you're going to end up like your dad. You're never going to, you know, you're never going to amount to nothing. So that's the rejection wound that I'm still dealing with. So as I'm in Costco, examining this thing in my cart, I'm having these conversations with myself going, what is the feeling? How can I name it? Where is it coming from? Why am I feeling rejected? Is that the truth? Or is that the story I'm making up in my head? Mm -hmm. How did the argument go? Because the argument could have just been like, no, I can't meet with you today. I'm really sorry. I have to cancel. And I was so looking forward to meeting you today, but you had something come up and I'm feeling rejected. The story I'm telling myself is that you don't care about me. You have better things to do. You don't really want to be my friend and meet me. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's bringing me back to those, those high school years. Yeah. But once you're able to work through it, you're kind of able to chuckle, you know, and I just, I just think of my inner teen. I'm like, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I see you. I hear you. You're safe. No one is rejecting you because I am here. I will always be here for you. Mm -hmm. No one can make you feel any type of way unless you allow them. And I'm not going to allow it because I am becoming the loving parent to you. Right. Because that's the truth. For me, my wounds come from not having loving parents. Mm -hmm. I had a loving grandmother. I had some loving uncles and relatives, but my primary caregivers could not give me what I needed. So now I have to be that for myself. And sometimes I fail at it. So I end up in Costco with a cart full of stuff going, hmm, it's July and I'm thinking about Christmas. I think something's going on. <laughs> Let's unpack this, right? Yeah, yeah. And it can be so many different things. So it, like it can be, you know, the things that you shared, it can be maybe the opposite of like you grew up with, you know, I don't I don't like using the word hoarders, but you know, maybe you were, you grew up with family who keep everything. They can never get rid of anything. And they- taught you that if you get rid of things or you don't have it all, like your needs won't be met and something bad could happen. And a lot of us repeat those patterns, but the other you thing I come want... from extreme privilege, yeah. but now you're married and you've made the decision as a couple that you're going to be a stay at home mom and your husband does not have, you know, he's not making the big, big bucks yet. Cause he's just starting off in the corporate world and you guys are a young family and this is a choice and quote unquote sacrifice you're making for the first few years of your child's life. And you're used to having all the pretty things all the time, mm -hmm. but now you're drowning in debt. You have a house full of crap that you don't really want or need. Your husband's pissed off. You're feeling a type of way, but really that's how you grew up. That's the lifestyle you're accustomed to. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yes. I've seen that too. And then people feel this pressure to like, you know, they don't realize that it probably took a lot for their parents to get to that point or they were born into it, which I know. I work, with, I work with a lot of people with shoplifting addictions who you would never think would be the ones who would have a shoplifting ad addiction. It's people who do very, very, very well for themselves. They have no financial issues whatsoever, but the guilt of having money is too much for them and they've come from you know not always but very often immigrant families who came here with a dollar in their pocket and had to work you know the 14 jobs to make it and so their money consciousness is money is really hard to earn you got to work really hard for money don't waste mm -hmm. you know like you wear your socks until all of your toes are poking out and then maybe mom can sew them 
Yeah. And your crayons, like you use them until like you don't get new stuff at the beginning of the school year because that's frivolous. And so all of these judgments are associated to having money and wealth. Mm-hmm. But now they're, you know, top shot lawyers or they're physicians or they're dentists or they're, they're in a position where they can make a ton of money or they're in the corporate world and they are making a lot of money. But to them, they just did the things that they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like my parents wanted me to become an engineer or my parents wanted me to become a lawyer because they came here with nothing. So I followed the trail and they broke their backs to be able to pay for this education that I now have. So all of my money, I have to hoard it. I have to hold on to it. I can't be frivolous, mm-hmm. right? Like I eat all my meals. I never go out. And it's this completely different mindset. So now you have this very well ado young lady in her early 30s who doesn't yet have kids, who's making bank who's seeing everyone else at the firm with these beautiful handbags or beautiful shoes or, you know, these coats or driving a really nice car. And they're feeling the same childhood wounds of, I don't fit in. Mm-hmm. I'm not wearing the nicest clothes, right? I'm wearing hand-me-downs from my cousin who went on a corporate trip to whatever. Like, you see what I mean? So the wounds keep repeating themselves. And this is where that need, that impulse to, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it because I have less remorse. Yeah. I don't have the guilt attached of, I spent $2,000 on a purse. Yeah. I spent $500 on a pair of shoes. No, I took it. And I'm not thinking the risk of if I get caught. Yeah. I'm just thinking everyone else at the firm is wearing these beautiful shoes and has these nice bags and they have these nice things in their homes. And I have so much emotional baggage from the scarcity and lack mindset from a story that does not belong to me, but I'm carrying it. As the family heirloom, right? The pride. I'm just going to take. Yeah. And it's heavy. It is heavy. And yeah, it's heavy and it's doable. I like what you said when you were like, well, I approach the way that you approach yourself when you're having these conversations with yourself, as you say, it's interesting. And I think that's a good approach to take of like, okay, this is interesting. Like what's going on? Because that, that I think sheds a layer of what a lot of people deal with already is like making it mean something about them. If you're just like, oh, that's interesting. It's like, what is that? What is that? Like what's going on? And I think that's the number one thing is we are always judging ourselves. Because we're always stuck in comparison mode. But I think that's the biggest piece of healing that I've done is being able to say that's interesting about everything. Mm -hmm. Even let's say I go to the grocery store and I get like two hundred and fifty three hundred dollars worth of food and my fridge is packed and stacked and I'm so excited that I have all these delicious fresh things to eat and I get home and all of a sudden I'm like I'm just gonna order it mm-hmm. right before that was like that's so stupid it's so wasteful you have a fridge full of stuff like that's just throwing money out the windows you should save it for Friday or Saturday because that's like takeout night mm-hmm. and now it's a Monday right like all of this now I'm like, that's interesting. Where's it coming from? Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, oh, the story I'm telling myself is that I work really hard because I'm a single mom and I do all the things alone. And so I'm resenting having to do all the things alone. And I got in my car and I went to the store and I schlepped all the groceries and then I had to bag them myself because now I'm a cashier too. And I bagged it all. And then I hustled back to my car and I put them all in the car. And then I got here and I had to bring them up four stories because the kid's in school and he's getting away with it. No one's here. And I'm standing in front of the fridge wanting takeout 
because that's the story that I'm telling myself that I am a victim and a martyr of life. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm also resentful. I don't know how they do the, the cashier thing at your place, but now it's literally a full cashier. It's a full, it's a full time job. Is it full cashier? And they watch you. They watch you. You would like me to, you would like, I am now an employee. I should either get an employee discount or I need you to email me a training video, but I do not need someone hired to look over my shoulder. Oh my gosh. It's so irritating to me too. (laughs) Like lady, I've given birth to humans. I am not about to steal this 30 cent thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like I know how it works. There's a call for help button and I know it's not their fault. But I mean, many of the local grocery stores have gone from like 15, 14, 13 cashiers to now having like 20 automated. I mean, you've got $300 worth of groceries. Do you know how long that takes? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you've got shit to do. Yeah. Excuse my French. So now this is the story I'm telling myself that grocery, grocery shopping used to take an hour, an hour and a half. But now I did physical labor. Yeah. Right. And so this the physical me who's 38 years old is this responsible adult, but the me inside my head, that's still 18 and just wants freedom and wants to have fun and totally has ADHD and can't, (laughs) you know, doesn't want to stick to a task for that long has now been sticking to this task of grocery shopping and adulting for three consecutive hours. And I want to be done. I want to order a pizza and I want to be done. I don't want to think about it till next Monday. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's what you get to when you say that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that you eventually get to, and um, that's kind of why I wanted to share the story about like me going to the Airbnb and like it truly being restorative, it truly being like a great experience for me and what I needed is because I've had these conversations with a trusted provider or with myself or my journal or a friend or whatever, lots of conversations of like um, recognizing when I'm doing it from a space that is like, I don't want to say it like use bad, but like, you know, an old, bad, outdated pattern that's keeping me, it's preventing me from actually growing and feeling better versus one where I have a conversation of like, yeah, you know what? Like everything is handled here. My kids are safe. My kids have a great dad. They're going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm just, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to put pressure on myself. I'm not going to feel bad about it. Yeah. Like you abandoned them. Right. They're not going to remember in 10 years, five years. Yeah. And it seems, it seems weird, but I don't think you can have those conversations with yourself and then, and you actually believe them until you have those harder conversations with yourself and face those because otherwise it just feels, and I've had this conversation with my therapist too. Like, it feels like a lie. You know, when I say things like, oh, my you know, my husband's so great. He's so supportive. It feels like a lie because I haven't faced those. You haven't allowed it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't faced those. You know, then that's, that's just really being a, you know, having a detrimental effect on your relationship as a whole, because how can we expect our partners to show up for us if we don't allow them to? Yeah. I'm like subconscious. Our friends too, subconsciously, when we act like we've got it all together, right? no, no, we've got it all together. Well, we have to, because we're home with the kids. And so we're the glue, but then how dare we say things like you're never there when I need you, or you don't support me, or you don't help out because every time our partners try to show up for us in their way, in the way that they know how we get upset and say, that's not what we need. 
because mm -hmm. we don't actually know what we need. Mm -hmm. So we got to figure out what we need and then we can ask for the support, but then we have to have the grace to let them show up for us. Yeah. And so that's have, what he did when you went away. So that's beautiful because you gave him the opportunity to show up for you. Yeah. And I can see that in hindsight too with, um, I'll, I'll share two examples and then we can uh, talk about where people can find you and learn more from you. Um, the dishes with the clutter, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, like our house is clean. The dishes are done. The laundry's done. Like I can clearly, like I can literally see him and his physical body, like helping me, but I still don't feel supported. And it's because I, it sounds weird, but our house got so easy to maintain that I didn't have to actually ask for help. It was just done. And I wasn't allowing myself to say things like being a mom is really hard. And like, it sounds silly, but like going to work. And I know you understand this um, cause you're a single mom and um, you know, going to work and then coming home and doing all these things. It's like, it just feels, it makes me tired. It makes me physically tired it's emotionally draining to like have to absorb and redirect all of these other people's energy. And yes, the dishes are done. And I still feel like I just would like a hug. You know, I would just feel like I would like to, you know, you asked me about my day and I wasn't doing those things because I didn't know. I just didn't know that's what I needed. That's us that need to work on our worthiness. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we oftentimes need a reason to feel worthy. Right. So if all the dishes are done and the house is not that overwhelming to take care of. What's your purpose? Right. Yeah. What are you doing with your life? Yeah, that was it. That was a big one. You don't have a reason to be upset or to complain or to be sad or to be feeling anything because the house is easy to maintain. Yeah. And that was a big, that was a big deal to me. And I even remember having conversations with friends where they'd come over and be like, wow, your house looks great. And I would lie to them. And I would be like, oh my gosh, it's so exhausting. Like I had to clean so much and nobody ever helps me. And it was like the weirdest things I'm like hearing myself. I'm like, that's not true at all. I, was, I had nothing to do before they came over. <laughs> that's, that's our inherent sense of worthiness. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was, we attach our identity to this. Well, I'm a stay at home mom. So I did the same thing for me. I had to cook three different meals per day, every day. So my husband at the time would not eat the same lunch because he was on shift work. So if he would have like this thing for lunch, he would have a different dinner at work that I could pack up in his lunchbox and still make dinner for the kids. And he'd have a little note. And that was the thing. That was my identity. Yeah. And right? like all of the laundry is done. It's folded. The meals are cooked. So when you come home, you're the king of this house. Yeah. And I remember feeling that identity be stripped away. Cause I, I say a lot of times, like I felt like a glorified, like roommate or glorified, like maid. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And glorified I'm like, roommate. Yeah. I'm like, somebody yeah. could hire I out. Feel I feel that. And you know what? He never imposed that on me. No, my that was my lack of, you know, he never expected that. And he would always be like, wow, this is so great. Are you sure? Like you just gave birth two minutes ago. You want to be making pot rows? And I was like, I've got it all holding the stitches and the stew. And, you know, that was me. Yeah, it was me too. I needed praise and validation. I couldn't name it, but I just wanted to feel like I belong to something. I was good at something. I had a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love this conversation. We're going to have to do it again sometime. I know we have to do part two. Cause I'm like, I feel like everything I'm like, man, it's so many other things to talk about. <laughs> so many other things. Absolutely. We'll do it.
Thank yeah, you so much for having me on. Yeah. So where can people find you to, you have a podcast, you've, um, yeah, tell us what you, what exactly you do and where we can find it. So on Facebook at Mindset Makeover Coach, same thing on Instagram. My website is emmanuelchase.com. I'm assuming you'll put it in the yes. show notes, but, um, and, and the podcast, I have two podcasts. One is all about debunking spirituality and the mystical and, you know, the one that you were on, which is more of a passion project where I get to speak to experts from all over the world about topics that I'm curious about. That one is called coffee with source. Mm -hmm. And then I have one that's all about childhood trauma and our limiting beliefs and our subconscious mind and how that affects us in our daily lives. And that's called flip the script with Emma. And they're both available on Spotify and Apple. Yay. Yeah, I did. I coffee with source first. And I was like, I love it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, you do all of this other stuff too. I found your passion project first and I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. I have this insatiable curiosity and it goes hand in hand with the ADHD of, Mm. you know, the stuff that I'm still working on of it's okay to sit still and do nothing. You know, Mm. I hear people all the time being like, oh my God, I just binged this series over the weekend. I'm like, you sat there for 10 hours and didn't move. Then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. We need to unpack. But that's the, you know, that's the busyness. That is me. That's a part two. Okay. Yeah. That is going to be part two because I'm like, I used to do that mindlessly and now I do it. And I'm like, I really needed that. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. And that switch when it flips, even when I do it now, I'm like, I just sat here for two hours and did nothing, but I ate. So I didn't do nothing, you know? (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. Part two coming soon. Um, I want to hear your guys' feedback on this episode and see if anything stood out to you that you would like to hear when we do this again. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the Motherhood Simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.